Hey, buddy, it's Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Right now, enjoy part two of the HBCU Climate Change Conference conversation here on The Coolest Show. This is The Coolest Show brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's the coolest show, you know, keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show, you know, in your ear, yeah, respect the expert level, information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just train. Open your third eye, now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show, you know, it's the hip hop call. Hey, buddy, it's Rev Yearwood host of The Coolest Show, and we are at the ninth annual HBCU Climate Change Conference. It is a phenomenal conference where we are dealing with many of the issues, and in this conference, we've been having many conversations, clearly about environmental justice, climate justice, how uh, intersectional environmentalism, and one of the things we're going to talk about is the solutions. So with me is Dr. William Nunn. Doc, what's happening? Thank you much, man. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's, you know, um, again, it's a restorative space. Uh, oftentimes when we're in this work, we get beat up. Yeah. Uh, we get beat down. Uh, we're up against white supremacy. We're up against craziness. But uh, it's just good to be in the house with other folks from HBCUs and and and, and the work and, and really just sort of uh, rejuvenating. We're going to get to Vote Solar. Very important to combine those two things yeah. together. Yeah. For obvious reason, democracy and solutions regarding climate change. Right. But first, before we get to any of that, who is Dr. William Nunn? Yeah, you know, I'm an Eastern North Carolina boy. Um, you know, I uh, grew up in uh, in Goldsboro and Fayetteville. Goldsboro. And Goldsboro, yeah, yeah. You know, um, everybody in Goldsboro moves to Washington, D.C. Or goes to A and T, you know. What I'm or, saying one uh, of the one of the one two. Of those two. Yeah, you know, one of those two. I bought the trend. I went to Fayetteville State and stayed home. Okay. Um, but no, you know, my parents met in 19, 1970s and uh, first generation college students. Okay. Uh, they did Fayetteville State University. Um, got married while they were still in school. Awesome. My dad pledged Alpha, and um, they okay. they were. Uh, part of that generation. Alpha Phi Alpha. We had Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. Break it down. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. 1906. And you're Alpha. Too. I'm Alpha as well. Okay. You know, I was, I was very lucky. But they met in that generation where. Um, she's she's AKA? Or she. She, you know, she's not. She, okay. she kept it a thousand. I, I didn't mean to be like. No, 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 this, no. no, no. <laughs> like, why, you know. No, she kept it a thousand. You know, she, she, she be. Well, I was saying because she kept it a Delta. She'd be like, well, hold up. Wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's real. But they came up with that generation where their parents were like get a government job yeah. because there were certain protections there, and they were able to build a very luckily a middle class you know uh, opportunity for me. And so I was very privileged. Um, I came of age uh, where a lot of my peers' uh, parents were victims of the uh, crack, crack epidemic, yeah. and there were a lot of you know fatherless homes. So I was very, very, very. Um, uh, you know, um, impacted by that and very lucky. And so it's been my life, part of my life mission to really give back and use some of that privilege that mm -hmm. I had to really um, to work for, for the people. And so, and, and clearly they had the public service experience in, in, you know, having gone to a public university and being school teachers. And then yeah. later on, my dad got into the administration. That really shaped me. I think what really shaped me was 
the fact that they exposed me, I didn't just stay in Fayetteville and Goldsboro. They took me to the Raleigh's and to the Greensboro's okay. and to the Charlotte's. Which and are, you went to Fayetteville State? Fayetteville State, yeah. Okay. Fayetteville State, yeah. All throughout? Yeah, all throughout. So I went to Fayetteville State, undergrad, uh, did my master's, and then my PhD at a and Oh, um, and okay. which is and so you know I had the choice of you know going to a lot of other uh, schools. But I always said, why not? Why not make? I knew I had what it took, but why not make that investment in uh, in the university? Let the university make the investment in me. And A&T was, was just an incredible experience there. Being, I like to say, um, we had those doctoral conversations yeah. in the spirit of and during the time of Mike Brown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being a lot more free to talk about. Uh, from whence that ideology This is 2014? Yeah, 2013, okay. 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, just having that experience and, and being able to expand that mind. I, I got hooked on that HBCU experience for Fayetteville State and, and knew that the graduate level would just be even, it'd be even better. So, yeah, no, um, I, I owe a lot of, you know, to my parents' foresight and, expo- and exposing me to the different North Carolinas. There's, there's what I call three North Carolinas. There's okay. the rural... Um, white rural part. Yeah. There's an urban. You're your Raleigh. You're Charlotte. You're Greensboro. And there's the Black Belt. Mm. And the Black Belt is where you had um, African Americans who were enslaved as a part of that cotton plantation. What I often tell crowds and communities is that it didn't just end. Jim Crow uh, or the emancipation didn't end the enslavement of Black people. What you had were perpetuations uh, in, in 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 the form of uh, you know, policy and other things that kept that part of North Carolina hostage. And so you had sharecropping. Mm. You had essentially the manifestation of other forms of oppression in eastern North Carolina that made it distinctly different. When you, mm-hmm. when you go there, it feels different, it looks different than, say, Pinehurst, which is rural, yeah. but a lot more wealthy. And so um, the schools are different, the, the housing stock is different. And so those are the kinds of challenges that I'm innately aware of when I'm going and doing this climate, uh, this climate work that we're doing, this this, this uh, environmental investment that we have in this opportunity to walk into now. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really so essentially. My parents gave me this when I was 12, 15, 12 and 13, but that stuck with me just seeing those differences. And so when I got to study, I said, you know, I want to look, I want to interrogate mm. what the differences between these North Carolinas are. And it started all the way back, you know, 1619, when we started, when we implemented cotton-based plantation systems, which retarded the progress mm-hmm. of, of, of eastern North Carolina. And so, um, but well, I want to get to all that. I want to yeah, ask a question, though. For sure. Because your history now is very, very important. And yeah. I think, I want to get to all of the climate stuff. Sure. We're going to get to that. Yeah. You said something that was, I think, is one of our listeners to understand. Yeah. You mentioned that you had privilege. Yeah. And I know Charlemagne talks about this. He has a book, I believe, yeah. talks about black privilege, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think that black people have privilege. Oh, yeah. I understand exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people understand that, but people are not a monolith. We're very different. Absolutely. We're rich, we're poor, we're straight, mm-hmm. we're gay, we're from rural, we're from urban, we're all kind of people. That's right. And we're, but we're, we're black. That's right. And we understand that. That's right. Right, no matter where we come from. Privilege. Mm-hmm. Talk about that when you say you were very blessed to have that privilege and what that meant for you. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're 10, 12, 13, you don't fully conceptualize the benefits that you have. Uh, but when you go on to school and you go on to college and you look back, you're like, man, you know, 
I didn't have to, you know, when it was time to go to that band trip mm-hmm. or it was time to go to that, um, you know, um, do that, you know, uh, after school thing. My parents were there. They weren't having to work or have to scramble. And so I didn't realize the crack epidemic was going on at that point. And so I didn't understand what that was. I saw a ton of fatherless um, homes. And I just didn't understand. They weren't that the, you know, the dudes weren't good. They just weren't there. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't date. I didn't date a girl who had a dad until I was in college. Wow! And so you know that really had an impact on um, on me, and, and obviously it had more of an impact on the young ladies. But I was I was very lucky, you know, that my parents, um, you know, that I had that experience. And then, and again, it's no knock on anyone else. It's it's you know it's a rec- for me it's a recognition that um, something my grandmother used to say, to whom much is given, much is required. Facts. And so I've got to, so, you know, as I uh, recognize what kind of skill sets I had and opportunities, it was my goal to sort of uh, help understand and deconstruct the systems that brought, across, that brought the crack epidemic into, into in the, in the place in the first place, in, in, the, in, the, in the first place. So it, you know, it, I, I feel myself very lucky that you know mm-hmm. that the system didn't chew up my family um, as badly as others, um, and so it's just I feel, I feel a great debt and responsibility, but um, not one that I have any I have any issue working you know working through. I, I, I love this work, mm-hmm. and I love my people, and I love I love North Carolina. In South Carolina, <laughs> so, you know, it's from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. They're different, though. They, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have to edit that out. No. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so um, they, they are, they're very different. But, you know, I, I feel indebted. And, and again, it's, it's, it's a recognition that, I, 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 you know, I, we got lucky because yeah. it's, it's, it's a, we know that system. We know, you know, my grandfather came home from World War II, having been having served in yep. the Battle of the Bulge, and never got his um, never got his yard built, never had a chance to build a house based off of that um, that that social contract that the United States government made with his soldiers, and you know he was lucky enough to still be able to build a house. He had an incredible wife, my grandmother, who was just really good at you know saving money, but. That shouldn't have happened, right? No. That should have never happened. And so it shouldn't have come down to luck for them to build a house mm. and be able to have that generation. No, now my parents, now mm. my, my aunts are able to rent that house mm. and bring in, but it shouldn't have happened. Like, he should have been able to, he should have been able to pay that house off a long time ago yep. and, be, and been able to reap the benefits when they were alive. Um, so uh, I recognize that these systems of white supremacy uh, which manifest themselves in so many different ways. Uh, my parents and I barely escaped, and so it's it's. I feel like it's so. It's 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 incumbent upon me to give back. Yeah, no, whatever way I can. Yeah, yeah. Now, North North Carolina. Talk about um, civil rights movement. I mean, because I know North Carolina is obviously Warren County yeah. birthplace. Yeah. So I mean, to justice. Sure. Dr. Ben Chavis coined the, the phrase. Environmental racism, mm-hmm. obviously North Carolina A&T. Aggie Pride. Is Aggie, well, I won't say Aggie Pride. But <laughs> I, I, definitely, I definitely hear you on that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a well, doesn't matter what it is. We, we, we get it. But in, in that aspect, shout out to the four yeah. uh, young men from Greensboro, to yeah. the Lunch Counter back in 1960. All of that is a part of that. How does that play into your upbringing, civil rights in North Carolina? 
Yeah, you just have a spirit of, um, and I know other states and especially Georgia have done their thing and Alabama have done their thing. But you have a spirit of progressivism in North Carolina. It's a little different, a lot like uh, Virginia. Um, and a lot of that was, um, you know, the I think the unintentioned um, consequence of having really good public schools mm. and having really good roads. And so all those infrastructure investments North Carolina made on top of just having brilliant people mm. uh, really was a force multiplier when it comes to, this is an air of when you go to, when you go to Raleigh, when you go to Durham, um, our, 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 our rivals, Central, you know, NC Central, I always give them a hard time, but they have brilliant people and continue to have exactly. brilliant people. Uh, the dean of the law school there, I'm going to forget her name. North Carolina has the most HBCUs out of any state. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And so, I, you know, it's just, it's just a hub. Yeah. And so you have all this energy there, um, and um, and then you feel you have you have the you have the Greensboro Four, you have Warren County, you have Harvey Gantt who gave Jesse Helms yeah. a fit. You have all that legacy, and you feel like as a um, person coming up in that space, you got to, you got to stand on their shoulders, and and and, and do the and do the darn own thing. So I mean, uh, sorry. Okay. Um, so you feel like you have to do you have to do it. You have to step up and really represent. Um, and so we have, like I said, we have all these institutions. We have all this infrastructure. We have all this legacy. And I think, um, you know, each each of those things feed into each into the other. And um, we're just happy to represent it and and to make it make it work. And given what our legislature is doing and uh, and what the uh, rise of right wing extremism does is doing we feel obligated to 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 make that um no make the crusade um make that happen that's amazing let's see the, let's see the vote solar what is vote solar so vote solar is a uh environmental nonprofit it was founded in um in oakland in 2002. uh it was really you know began as a sort of a group that supported um so the solar industry mm -hmm. But as time went on, they recognized that, you know, if solar is to really make its move, we're going to have to involve and engage uh, communities where rooftop solar isn't always the, the best thing. And so we've, we've shifted to a... Well, that's a lot you just said there. Explain yeah. that. That's, that's, you can't miss that. Yeah. Rooftop isn't the best thing. What do you mean when we say that? Yeah, rooftop's not for everybody. Rooftop solar, so for, for, your, for your listeners, um, uh, there may be a person who lives in a townhouse who doesn't own their home, um, who wants to get away from either the grid or contributing to their uh, utilities uh, use of gas or nuclear or whatever it might be, whatever generation technology is not good for the environment. So they, they, they say, I want to get, I want to be a part of the solution. Yes. And so what they decide to do is, man, I want to do community solar. And, and, and that's, really the op, that, that's really the opportunity for folk to be able to get to be a part of uh, of the solution, which is getting away from fossil fuels, um, so yeah, I, th I think that that is um, is really important to to distinguish that uh, rooftop solar, and even I think in our work we recognize that solar isn't necessarily the uh, answer for everyone, but rather framing. In something you said earlier today, this time, this time is so important. We are in the midst of a transition, whether we want to or not. We're in a transition. Without a doubt. 
And we are going to have to, and so when I talk to crowds, I'm like, look, we had a cold, we had transition from burning wood, um, and we went to coal. We went from coal um, to, to heat our homes, to, nat to gas, natural gas, and petrochemicals. Okay. Now we're moving to renewable energies. And I say, you know what was, you know what was never present during those first transitions? Our communities. Mm -hmm. And so my job at Vote Solar, and Vote Solar's job broadly, is to not necessarily push solar, but push a community and people first um, solution to the transition to renewable energy. So that the little town of Enfield, the little town that I live in, Rayford, um, the, the, the black and brown people are forefront in the conversation of how this is going to be implemented, how this is going to benefit my community. Are my kids going to be able to get jobs in this new renewable energy economy that's coming forth so quickly? But that's really what we're dedicated to, and I've had the privilege to be given you know, a lot of space to think about how to do that best. And it all comes back to asking the community um, putting the community first, saying, "Hey, uh, what what's your what's your relationship with energy? You know what it is? It's always energy burden. It's always folk with three, four, five hundred dollar bills, and you know energy bills, and that 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 can be uh, from a lot of different things. And we had a conversation in Lumberton, and if you're familiar with Lumberton, southeastern North Carolina was hit both by Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Florence yep. within two years. So the black part of town was underwater." twice in two years. So guess what happens to their homes? Their homes get, uh, get compromised. And so when you fast forward, so, so they patch it up to the best of their abilities. We know racism has an impact on whether or not the insurance company is going to fix their homes right away. Right. We know racism has an impact on whether or not a person going down to the bank is able to put the investments in their house to get it up to grade. We know all those things have an impact and they compound. So this summer, when the average temperature in, in July is 95 degrees, they're trying to cool a house that's porous. Mm. And so then they're having all these energy burden issues. But then they have, and I, I don't mind saying it because folk are, have come to our community meetings and expressed this, their city councilmen are not responding. They're saying, well, this is just the way that it is. Right. We're locked into a relationship with Duke Energy. And so they're being less than responsive. And so... It's my job and our partner's job, a part of a coalition called People Power Coalition, mm -hmm. um, and to, to meet folk where they are and to give them their options. Say, hey, you know, this is what you can do. This is how you can challenge this system. And we're here all, we're here every step of the way. We want you to lead, um, but we're here every step of the way because I can't tell you how to solve this issue. It's mm -hmm. not my community. Although I live 35 minutes away, it's still, Lumberton's not my home, but I, we, we, we intently believe in the power of the people and the leadership of the people there um, to solve their own issues once they're given all the tools to do the so. Truth. So it's just so much fun. It's, 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 it's an exciting, and every time I get in front of people and talk to them about their Ready options, go. I'm just loving it. Yeah, no, it's, just, no. it's just love. Well, I, just, I really got two more questions. One is around democracy. Yeah. I want to get to that one. One's around economic justice. Yeah. Around what you just were talking about. Yeah. I was talking with an old guy. Um, this might have been about six months ago. And he said something to me that was very important. And it was around what you're talking about, solar. Yeah. He said, for many people, the problem isn't the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. It's that the climate crisis is making visible the transition from one 
into industry together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the reality is that with this opportunity that we that is there, because mm -hmm. yes, we're in a crisis, mm -hmm. but we have to transition from sure. fossil fuel to clean energy. Sure. That opportunity means there will be black Rockefellers. <laughs> and people are more unsettled mm -hmm. by the fact that that this moment will create black Rockefellers mm -hmm. than they mm -hmm. are literally about the climate crisis. And so I bring that up from this standpoint, that as you are talking about solar, and we're talking about that, I remember going to the Tesla, mm -hmm. it was in San Francisco, mm -hmm. right, factory. Mm -hmm. I guess it was, they had, it was kind of, it was like a factory, it was like a building, I guess it was, I guess it was a factory for them, I yeah, guess it was yeah. their office. Yeah. San Francisco, yeah. right, I love San Francisco. Dope. It's dope. Yeah. San Francisco, I went to the Tesla building, I ain't see a black person. Like literally, I walked all through that joint, yeah. and it, and I was like, even at the reception desk, all through. That means that you know you got to work hard not to find a. Yeah. It's Oakland. Right, it's like yeah. right next. You're door. right. You're right. You got to work right. hard not to find. And I've gone to other places mm -hmm. of the renewable side, mm -hmm. some solar, mm -hmm. some wind, mm -hmm. and the same same impact. It is all day. All night, it's all white. Mm -hmm. You can't. I mean, and it's hard. They be sometimes they be in D.C. Like you know how hard, you know how many black folk in D.C. Black folk is literally that's called crazy. Chocolate City. Chocolate City, yeah. And that's like you right. got to go out your way, yeah. not to hire right. nobody. That's right. Like you know, I'm like, dang, we even got some folks who can like pass for, but you, you can't get them in the. You can't get them in the building. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. So my whole point here is that I don't want us to go from one. Pressure system to the other. Yeah, go. So I don't want to go from oil because, to, to be honest, oil you knows they're on the last legs, but yeah. they're trying to bring people of color into that process. Right. So we're confused by that, right? right. We're confused. Right. Okay, now we're getting jobs in oil and gas, right? Okay, this must be no, 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 no. Right. So you're in a position now with solar. Mm -hmm. How do we have ownership mm -hmm. in the renewable sector? I'm gonna shout out a sister called Ajula Otho. She's mm. the part. Uh, she's um, the head of Boss Blacks. I'm gonna murder this. Blacks, uh, Black owners of solar. Uh, <laughs> so look at look at it's, it's B O S S. She um, she say her name again. Ajula Otho. Okay, yeah, Ajula Otho. Uh, Blacks owners, Black owners for solar supp supplements or something like that. She um, has conceptualized. Um, how it how an economy um, in rural in rural spaces should look um, with black uh, and, and black and brown people. I'm gonna shout out one other person. Her name is Mozine uh, Lowe. I just came from her uh, solar fest in, mm. um, in in Roanoke Rapids in Halifax County. They, they run a nonprofit. They made their money up north in, in Baltimore, D.C. area, but came back home to Halifax County. If you know anything about Halifax County, it's super rural. Uh, but it's in a part of the state that has a significant African-American population, a lot of black farmers. So she came home, Gen X bought a huge um, solar farm in on Halifax County Airport, and part of the agreements was for them to build a nonprofit behind it that educated the community on renewable energy. Mm -hmm. But not only educate them on renewable energy, but that put in place workforce development opportunities to help high school students um, realize 
that there aren't just jobs putting solar panels on houses, but there are jobs being the systems developers. There's mm. jobs in finance. There's jobs in, in, so, in, in advocacy and in law. So what she's doing, so I went to Solar Fest last week. Beautiful. I love day. that name. Be- yes, it's dope. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. They had the cheerleaders from the local high school mm. doing a solar chant. And so what you have, you're introducing the next generation of kids to the opportunity of a new economy. So the next day, the full day of the program, there are at least 150 high school students there. And the um, state legislators presented the check for $150,000 for um, for workforce development. But the idea, was what those kids are walking away with um, is the realization that this is a real attainable way for us to get into an industry right out of high school or, you know, with limited... Um, with limited investment in, in, in higher education. I'm saying there's anything wrong with higher education. Trust me, I'm a person who spent a lot of time in, in the college space. Uh, but there, there are opportunities now for kids to make 70, 80, $90,000. But that doesn't get to the ownership part. Sometimes in that group, I know there are, there were, there were black men and there are black girls, black women, uh, black, women black men, excuse me, black men and black women who um, are going to go into solar, going into energy, renewable energy space, and 10 years in, they're going to realize I can do it for myself. Yeah. There's something here that I can do for, because that's what happened with Nozine. They And that's what happened with her husband, Dr. Lowe, is that... Dr. And that's something that HBCUs can help with. Of course. Entrepreneurship. State. Exactly. Let's, let's, Fable I mean, State. Let's get it. A&T, Central, all those... Yeah, I mean, nothing connected. wrong with training people to, to put on solar, but let's figure out how to do this ourselves. Owner, yeah, we let's need to figure out how to do this ourselves. I'm with you. And so what I see, to your point, what I see is Mozine giving them, Mrs. Lowe giving them the taste. This realize they can put their hands on, there's solar panels all over the place. They can put their hands on solar panels. They can figure out how it works. And then these kids are brilliant. So they're going to get that itch to figure out how to do it for yourself. And you're absolutely right. The business school at Fayetteville State University is is, bar, is is amazing. Central is incredible. And they're going to pour into these kids. And they're going to give them the ideas that are going to allow, allow them to, to really unlock the future. I see Eastern North Carolina with I-95 going from, from Robeson County all the way up to, um, to Northampton County. I see it as a corridor of opportunity. Mm. You know, a lot of people see cornfields. A lot of people see the cot- old cotton fields. It's a corridor of opportunity. You have, you have kids who are growing up in, 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 the, in these spaces, uh, you know, seeing, seeing this transition happen. And I think it's going to take uh, a really forward-thinking uh, community college folk, uh, really forward-thinking economic development folk. But we're there, but that's my job, is to help have those conversations. And I think, again, you know, we have to own a means of production. Then we have that power uh, to 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 move to the future. So I think I think pulling together all these people who are really smart and really have these visions, and I'd love to see where this has worked before, you know, because because in, in California, I'm sure they they've been doing this a lot longer than we have. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of case studies. So where this has worked before, I want to know how it's worked. I want to study that. So maybe we can bring it back home. That's why I'm, it's been great being here because I'm getting to hear where things have worked. And I mm-hmm. love your approach here with solutions-oriented. Look, I know there's lots of challenges, 
but there's a lot of opportunity. And another thing you said today was, was right on point was that when we're organized, organized people be organized money every time because uh, the, the energy and the heart is there. And so, uh, no, no, I think we, I think the future is super bright. And I think, you, I think this is the time and the moment for us to really, uh, to, to, to um, inspire our people yes. and make these investments. And the sky's the limit, the sky's the limit. One last question, democracy yeah. uh, or uh, demonstration without legislation leads to frustration. Yeah. So democracy is key to that. So we talk about the solar part, toward the vote part. Mm-hmm. Um, where, what is Vote Solar's piece on democracy? Uh, our piece is preserving the democratic system in in in, to, in totality. We frown upon you know the things that uh, our general assembly is doing to frustrate the, pro, the to make make it harder to vote. Uh, but um, one of the things that I do often, uh, I believe that the power is in local politics. Uh, I believe that um, uh, municipal level politics and getting people involved and getting their voices heard on a, uh, is sort of the gateway drug, so to speak, to them getting involved in the in, in the process. Little thing about me, I work for, right out of college, right out of Fayetteville State, I work for two members of Congress. And uh, I work in, in the rural part of North Carolina's Harnett County and um, Sampson County area. And so we would go to these events, to these, to these ribbon cuttings, and, and the town council folk, the, kid, the, the, the kids who were 25, 30, years old working at her dad's CPA firms who were on it who made it to the town council. I turned around in the seven, eight years, they were in the legislature. Mm, mm. So I saw how they had that pipeline. I peep game. I said, okay, <laughs> that's how you did that. Well, what's to stop us from from being able to do the same thing? Yeah. The people who are a lot more sane and, and not driven by an ideology that that wants to hurt people. Mm. And so I believe that um, so in my work, I believe in getting folk involved on the local level. Um, encouraging as many people to uh, run for office on the local level, because I believe from there you can build. And, it, and, not, and you don't have to be from Vote Solar. It can be from a lot of our partners uh, who may be involved in, the, in, in housing mm. or, maybe in, or, or maybe involved in economic development. But it all intersects. Because yeah. in, in my, I always tell people, I'm, I'm for quality of life improvement. I, you know, my job is, you know, is to talk to you about how we can get there through, through renewable energy. But I'm all about quality of life, mm. and that's what each of us, all of us, deserve. So, I'm gonna ask you this. This is actually the fun question. Yeah. It's actually probably your hardest question. Uh oh. All right. Okay. So, best homecoming in North Carolina. <laughs> oh God. And you went to two. Now, be very careful with that. Make, look around the room. Look, Make sure man. you nothing gets thrown over here. Look, man, I got I got to go at Fayetteville State. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I got to go home. You know what I'm saying? So I got to go. I got to go to Fayetteville State. Look, you know, every time I go there, um, it's something about being able to go to that homecoming and look across the plot and see my dad there. Oh wow! You know what I'm saying? Because he went to Fayetteville State too. That's special, man. You know what I'm saying? To get those pictures, with my dad, we throw them with the funk, and it's all and good. And y'all still do the Alpha Stroll? We, my dad doesn't, but. Uh, Okay. Yeah. All right. He's a little old school with But Auntie's not where I went to school undergrad. No, I totally understand. You know what I'm totally saying? Understand. And, then, and then this is special. It's just the beauty again of having my dad there. Um, you know, that's just that's just it's it's a legacy, and, and it's a, and again, it's privilege. No. It's a privilege to have that, and um, bringing my son there. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a beautiful thing, man. So, well, I've been to a few set of late tournaments. 
Yeah. Oh. So I know how y'all how y'all turn out. We got to, man. Yeah. yeah. But that's black joy. That's black joy. Listen, that's what it's all about. That's what it's about. And and, and, and I try to incorporate in that in my work as much as possible. Because it's sustaining. It's hard, you know, when we hear about the power that, that Duke Energy has or the legislature has, that is constricting enough. So why not have fun and be myself as much as possible in the work that we're doing and it's been preserving? Listen, that's a good note. Yeah. I believe in none. Bo Schiller. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. And I am Reviewer, your host of the Foolish Show. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the peace. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest.